Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. You are listening to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. What is humanity's great transition to a mature planetary civilization look like? In part one of Choosing Earth with Dwayne Elgin, we looked at three pathways ahead, collapse, authoritarianism, and the great transition. For me, after looking at the next six decades to come, reading what Dwayne was writing, I was uncomfortable in resistance and literally wanted to close the book and stop reading. And then I got to page 98. I breathed a sigh of relief, began weeping, and my perspective quickly shifted. Today, we are going to share foundations of the great transition as a pathway forward, a beautiful, meaningful, and valiant path of radical prescriptive change that consciously moves us toward healing and wholeness. I found, after continuing to read past 98, I found pages and pages of inspiration and encouragement and tangible ideas and suggestions. I trust that you, too, will leave this hour encouraged and supported to choose Earth and be a part of the radical solutions and great transition to come. I invite you to take a few deep breaths, open your mind and heart, and settle into your essential wholeness, or like we've been saying, aliveness, as I introduce our guest. Dwayne Elgin is an internationally recognized author, speaker, educator, and citizen voice advocate. His books include The Living Universe, Promise Ahead, Voluntary Simplicity, and Awakening Earth. He received Japan's Goi Peace Award in Tokyo in 2006 in recognition of his contributions to a global vision, consciousness, and lifestyle that fosters a more sustainable and spiritual culture. And now, a brand new project and brand new book, Choosing Earth, Humanity's Great Transition to a Mature Planetary Civilization. Welcome back, Dwayne. Julie, thanks so much for having me for the second uh, round. Uh, I so appreciate your courage in moving deep into this book and seeing the promise uh, that's there. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Dwayne. I, I do see the promise, and I'm really... I'm really excited about the potential of the promise as well, because like I mentioned in the intro, it is so prescriptive. So for, for listeners, if you didn't listen to part one, we had a, a great, um, intense and detailed conversation. There's so much in the, the first two thirds of this book. And today we're just going to focus on that, the promise part, because there's so much there. So Dwayne, um, you write about this great transition, and, and a great transition will require an extraordinary level of collective effort, conscious choice, 
and creative cooper cooperation among the human community. And the Great Transition will not be a cakewalk. I know that, I get that, but we're really, as we focus in on this promise, um, part four of your book gives us a plethora of things to think about, ideas that are realistic and helpful. And I really appreciate how you begin with the turning toward aliveness. Um, let's dig into that idea for a second. It's foundational. It's consciousness and conscious evolution and literally a, a whole worldview. So what does the turning toward aliveness mean? And how do we achieve this part of the prescription? Great. Well, uh, I've, I've considered retitling the book uh, to go beyond choosing Earth, to say choosing Earth and choosing aliveness. Uh, to choose Earth is to choose life itself. And um, for the past few hundred years, we have assumed here in the West primarily that we're living in a universe that's essentially dead matter and empty space. And if it's dead matter and empty space, well then why not exploit that which is dead on behalf of the few that's us that is alive. And so the way in which we regard the universe has a profound impact on how we regard ourselves and our evolutionary journey and what we're doing here. So if it's dead, exploit it. On the other hand, if it's a living universe, it's filled with aliveness, uh, it is itself a living organism, then care for the aliveness. Uh, take care for it and bring conscious regard into our everyday lives for the life that abounds. And uh, Plato said more than 2,000 years ago, he said the universe is a single living creature that contains all living creatures within it. It's just life within life within life. And that is a core foundational uh, insight that we've forgotten uh, as, as a human family. And um, Simone de Beauvoir, a, a, a French philosopher, said life is occupied in both perpetuating itself and in surpassing itself. And if all life does is maintain itself, then living is only not dying. And so much of our culture today seems to me it's only not dying because we are turning away from life to the material aspects and forgetting the subtle invisible dimensions of life uh, that really is is what we're looking for in the first place so this book is both uh, looking ahead and looking back to the ageless wisdom of a living universe but now science and spirituality are coming together to reveal that uh, as the new understanding about the nature of the world the universe in which we live Yes, 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 yes. So let's let's go and unpack that a little bit. So along with this core foundational insight of aliveness, you do bring in this synthesis of indigenous wisdom, spiritual wisdom, nature's wisdom, and then you bring in the wisdom of direct experience and science and really help us understand aliveness and the living universe in this synthesis of, of where we've been and what we know. So let's, let's continue that synthesis of wisdom 
right here because I, I really appreciate this conversation of aliveness as being inseparable from the larger aliveness of a living cosmos. What can you tell us about these different wisdom traditions that are pointing us toward this solution? Great. Um, this is important because it seems like aliveness is so ephemeral, so fleeting, and in fact it is, uh, that we can disregard it. We don't have to pay attention to it. So it's important to see different wisdom traditions, if you will, that are, that are saying, no, don't forget this. This is at the foundation of our existence and our evolutionary journey. So let's look at that uh, briefly. And uh, let me share just a couple of quotes with you from, to begin with, uh, the indigenous uh, traditions. Um, the Ohlone Indians uh, lived right near where I live here in Northern California. And they said, quote, nature is alive and shimmering with energy because everything is filled with life. Power is everywhere and in everything. So aliveness is everywhere it's in everything and that is the deeper source of power another uh, tradition is the lakota sioux we probably most heard of this and then their tradition quote everywhere there was life visible and invisible and every object gave great interest in life the world teemed with life and wisdom there was no complete solitude for the lakota so uh, we could go on and on with the indigenous wisdom. That is uh, the ancient wisdom out of which we have emerged. It's our heritage. And it's a heritage we've largely forgotten and we're now beginning uh, to reclaim. And I don't like, there are three miracles that come out of the American Indian uh, tradition that I find very compelling. The first miracle is that anything is here at all. The second miracle is that there are living things here, uh, plants and animals. And the third miracle is that there are living things here that know they're here, uh, that know that they know. And that's us. Now, there's a tendency to forget the first miracle, the first miracle that anything is here at all. And that's an expression of extraordinary aliveness uh, from the generative foundations of what I would call the mother universe. So um, it's important to not forget the first miracle, that there's anything here at all and the source of that miracle. Uh, we can turn then from indigenous traditions to some of the spiritual uh, traditions uh, that are more contemporary. And uh, let me read a few quotes uh, just to bring it uh, into the, into the uh, spiritual traditions uh, from Christianity. Uh, this is from Meister Eckhart, a Christian mystic. He said, God is creating the entire universe fully and totally in this present now. Everything God created, God creates now all at once. This goes back to the first miracle. It's all getting created moment by moment by moment. We're going to see this uh, arising as we turn to uh, science. Um, the, the Islamic or Sufi tradition says you have a death and a return in every moment. Every moment the world is being renewed, but we in seeing its continuity of appearance 
are unaware that it's being renewed. It just seems like a continuous, seamless flow. But the mystics that have gone deep into the nature of reality say, no, this is a rising moment by moment. It's a, it's a miracle of creation. The first miracle is a continuing miracle that's happening at every moment. Um, Hinduism, the entire universe, contributes incessantly to your existence. Hence, the entire universe is your body. We're not just this biological body. Uh, we're more than that. We're part of the cosmos. So we are biocosmic beings. We have a larger body in the aliveness of the living uh, universe. I could go on further uh, with, obviously, with the spiritual uh, sources of wisdom. So just mentioning briefly, turning to nature wisdom, people go out in nature, they have these ex experiences of engaging with the aliveness of a living universe. Uh, John Muir, the famous naturalist said, and into the forest I go to lose my mind and find my soul, to lose my mind and find my soul. Um, so, uh, and there's this quote after quote, um, that that uh, that takes us into the uh, the world, the precious world of aliveness in nature. And I think virtually everyone has had this experience of seeing aliveness uh, in nature. Is it okay to go on, Julie? Oh yeah, this is yeah. Okay. I think it's an important piece here that that's foundational for us to really wake to this multidisciplinary approach to really looking at this aliveness that it's yeah. not just a good idea from right. one tradition that it really is this comprehensive beautiful place so I think you're probably right. heading into science and I forget the other piece that's there yeah then science direct experience um, yeah this is not a thought about aliveness. It's not that. It is the direct experience of aliveness itself. And that direct experience of aliveness self, uh, itself is growing in our world measurably. And there are surveys that have done, uh, been done over half a century. And they have found that uh, in the early 1960s, for example, roughly 20, 22% of the public said, yeah, I've had the experience of um, of aliveness in the world and my relationship and her connection with that, 22%. And if we go forward, just jump forward a half a century, that 22% has gone to 49% in uh, the year 2009. Uh, it's gone to 49%. So we've more than doubled in half a century and that was 10 years ago. So more than half of the American public would say, yeah, I've had the experience of a direct encounter with the aliveness uh, of the universe. And so we're measurably waking up. That's the point I want to make. And in today's world, if you would just talk to a community of people that's in casual conversation and say, have you ever had this experience? About half will say, well, you're crazy if you think this is alive. There's no way. It's just dead matter, empty space. But quickly, the other half of the room, the, uh, the, the folks standing there will say, no, you're the one that's crazy if you think this is dead, because I have had the profound experience of engaging with the aliveness. Now, this means that uh, we're growing. 
we're growing up. We're growing into uh, the aliveness of the living universe. And that provides a foundation of connection uh, with everyone and everything uh, that exists. So um, for a world that's existentially separated, disconnected, um, this is the avenue back in. It's the route of re-engagement with, with the precious aliveness of the living universe. Now, turning to science for just a minute, I love science and how it's evolving. And science now says that the universe is a unified whole. It isn't just a bunch of pieces and planets and stars floating around. The universe itself is a unified system. And importantly, it is almost entirely invisible. Uh, we used to think matter is all there is. No, in fact, uh, matter is only 5% of the known universe. 95% of the known universe is invisible. Um, and, and so I say to people, well, look, uh, you're part of the universe. How much of you is invisible? Is it 95%? I don't know. But the point is, there's way more going on here uh, than we see from the surface uh, of, the, uh, of the universe. And the idea of a regenerative universe emerges as well from science, that it's regenerating itself moment by moment. It's fresh, it's new, it's alive moment by moment. So aliveness then is at the very foundations of the universe and it's the highest expression of the universe. It's at every level, both the, the foundation and right on up in an evolutionary sense into our expression um, of, of the universe. So this is where we meet one another. This is where we meet uh, reality. This is where we meet uh, life is through the vehicle of aliveness. So um, <laughs> I'm not, we could, shall, shall I continue on? Or, uh, well, you know what, I just want to pause for a moment because I really want to really drive home a few of these people, a few of these pieces that I think are important. Um, and one of them, I just want to make an off comment and then I want to dig you deeper into this very subject right here first before we move on is that um, the... Um, well, first, I just wanted to say, if if our listeners are really tuned in and listening to you, if you're if you're really hearing that a little over half half of our population have had these experiences of aliveness, and half haven't, that may give you a clue to the consciousness on the planet and some recent events that have been in the news. So I just wanted to say that, but I do want to harness this aliveness, harness this wisdom and ask you an, an important question here because this this message is is really vital in that um, in order to turn away from our current path of separation we need a pathway you say you suggest that is so compelling that it draws us forward so with this aliveness with that direct experience how do we create the compelling felt experience of aliveness as a collective? Or do you feel like this is an individual journey 
and that we will continue to awaken um, one at a time moving toward the billions of us on the planet. What, what's your opinion about that, Dwayne? Great question. Do we awaken one at a time or as a collective? Uh, in historically, it was more one at a time, uh, person by person. And historically, evolution uh, was slow. Centuries would go by and hardly things would change at all. Now we are in a time of profoundly accelerated evolution. And it's calling forth humanity to rise up, to step forward into our, into our larger humanity and find our common ground for working together for not only a sustainable future, but a surpassing future as well, where we're more than just not dying, we're living and we're growing into the larger aliveness of a living universe. And if we can say that's the journey, the journey is not to consume things, to distract ourselves, entertain ourselves and in our struggle for survival in a dead universe. No, it's really to open to the larger gift of aliveness that's everywhere in all things and to see that what we're doing here is learning to live in a living universe. And if we will simply open to that, the universe will meet us. And I think that is what is beginning to happen and to, that accounts for uh, the evolution that we're seeing from a small fraction to now roughly half of the body politics says, yeah, I've had that experience. Uh, I know what you're speaking about. So evolution is quickening. It's uh, accelerating. It's picking up speed and it's measurably so. So um, now I think, Julie, uh, responding to your question, it's both and. It's both individuals and the collective, and they're mutually reinforcing and revealing of one another. So that seems to me the dynamic that's now underway that's so exciting and so important. Yeah. Amen. And this awakening consciousness really brings with it an enhanced capacity for our creative choice. You know, it's really a vital regenerative pathway forward. So as we identify ourselves as these biocosmic beings. I love that term that you use. I don't know if it's your original term, but I've only heard you yeah. speak of it. I love the idea that we're biocosmic beings. And with this waking up, can you just, before we move into the, the other sections of growing up and, and reconciliation, all the rest to come yet, um, this awakened stage of waking consciousness also, can you speak more about this, our, our capacity then to be creative, to really problem solve in a, a way that we've never seen on the planet before? Yes. Um, a key part of this is to recognize the aliveness of a living universe contains within it all of the intelligence, the wisdom, the insight, the understanding necessary to create a whole universe. Yeah. So if we simply come to the, to the center of our experience, uh, not thinking about it, but rather tapping in directly through our intuition, the nature, the reality itself, the aliveness itself, that contains within it deep wisdom, deep insight, deep understanding out of which we can create in a way that, that uh, we haven't uh, before living in a dead universe, so to speak. So um, if we want to tap into the generative source 
of creation uh, the in in partnership with the cosmos in partnership with the universe uh we can do that at at every moment and uh that is that's who we are we're biocosmic beings we're here we're made to uh tap into know and express the um cosmic dimensions of ourselves because we're already that it's not something we're going to get to later on. It's, it's that we came in that way. And so it is to acknowledge and work with the reality, the bigness of who we already are. Yeah. So we, we came back, we came in that way. We are cosmic, biocosmic beings. And I love this idea that if we really see ourselves that, then we understand that we are in a process of evolving with this living universe and growing up what you say about the about growing up is an essential part of this evolutionary process as a species that literally every species on the planet has gone through a youthful nature of of consumption and competition and all of that and then literally moved toward a more cooperative model at, that was more sustainable so we just have a, a couple minutes here before break and we can drop this in and if we have to we can expand on it later but I, I'd love to hear you speak on the the depth of moving from our adolescence into our adulthood as a species and maybe you could just begin with that um, there's a lot of amazing great bullet points in the book of how to sh how we can make that shift to, to me it's like there's so many teaching tools in this book and in the second half especially that I, I can't wait to hear you say more about that. But just in a, a two minutes or left, less, can you speak um, to the idea of growing up and then we can expand on it after break? Right. Let's let me just <clears throat> create the foundations for then uh, what we can talk about after the break. Um, I've asked people around the world uh, in giving talks before I'll say anything, I'll say, look, let me ask you a question about the life stage of the human family. And the question is a simple one. When you look at the whole human family, put us all together, are we behaving like toddlers, adolescents, adults, or elders? Toddlers, adolescents, adults, or elders? Those four choices. And I have asked this of uh, around the world, uh, spiritual leaders in Japan uh, and Brazil, uh, business leaders in Europe uh, and, and India and so on. Um, what comes back around the world is one response. Instantly, people have no hesitations. They say overwhelmingly, we're behaving like adolescents. Um, and that is hugely informative because it, it's something, it isn't just my opinion, it's the invited wisdom and insight of people around the world. We are in our adolescence as a human family, and we really need to move towards our early adulthood uh, as a planetary civilization. And so that is perhaps a good spot to um, go to break. It is. And it's a thank you for that. The, the observation of all these thousands of people around the world is encouraging because that's our collective intelligence. We yeah. know we're in adolescence. Thank you, Dwayne. That's a perfect place to take a break. You're listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. I'm Julie Kroll here with Dwayne Elgin. We're talking about choosing Earth, humanity's great transition to a mature 
planetary civilization. We'll be right back. Meditation Channel, non-stop meditation music, 24 hours a day in the new Empower Radio app. Music to empower your meditation, help you relax, sleep, or provide a calm background while you work. The Empower Meditation Channel is interruption-free. Listen now with the Empower Radio app, free in the App Store, or listen online at empower.fm. Soothe your soul, calm your mind. The Empower Meditation Channel. Well, Jason, I've got to tell you, you're pretty much everything this company is looking for in an entry-level candidate. Great. Your resume isn't quite what we're used to, but you've got a fantastic work ethic. Thank you. And I'm impressed by how you carry yourself. So, should we talk about the job? What? The job? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I have no way of recruiting or even meeting you. This interview didn't happen. It may sound ridiculous, and that's because it kind of is. There's a huge pool of talent your company is missing out on. Meet the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Man, we really could have used him. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. I want to thank my mommy for loving me so much, for taking me out to the park, for reading me books, for taking Taking me to the doctor when I broke my foot in ballet rehearsal, for leaving me alone when I wanted to be alone. And And now, now, as a grown-up, I'm thankful for being able to take care of you, my dear mom, for having the chance to take you to the park, for reading you those books we enjoy so much, for being able to take you to your therapies after you twisted your ankle. For understanding that sometimes you simply want to be alone. Roles change without us noticing. And in your new role, we help you help. Visit aarp.org caregiving to get practical health and wellness tips to provide even better care for your loved one. Remember, visit aarp.org caregiving. AARP, we help you help. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Katie Couric. I've interviewed world leaders, CEOs, and celebrities, but my most important role has been as a mother. I've worked hard to encourage my two girls to believe in themselves. Girls with high self-esteem are better prepared to navigate life's challenges. So join me as we empower the next generation. This message was brought to you by the Alliance for Women in Media and made possible through the support of Dove and the Dove Self-Esteem Fund, working together to help girls reach their full potential. To learn more, go to dove.com. Back to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and perhaps listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. Also stay connected all week on my Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. I invite you to be a more conscious, courageous, 
and compassionate co-creator of the beautiful, healthy world we depend on, come work with me. There's lots of different ways you can do that. And you can check out those opportunities at juliecrawl.com. Today, I'm here with Dwayne Elgin. We're talking about his new book and new project. We're going to get to that in a little bit, Choosing Earth. You can find more about Dwayne, this book, and the Choosing Earth project at choosingearth.org. Again, that's choosingearth.org. And Duane, right before the break, we, we kind of dropped in the idea that we're in our stage of adolescence, moving to adulthood. And to be honest, I really am excited to get to the section on, on simplicity and the last <laughs> 11 ideas in the project in the book, because there's like really concrete and specific things people can do. But I, I want to give you an opportunity to kind of wrap the idea that we're evolving from adolescence to adulthood into, a, you know, with a bow here so we can move into um, a little bit about reconciliation and, and um, how we're maturing here. And, and then we'll get to some real concrete steps for our listeners. Okay. Um, so uh, growing up, uh, as we, we said before the break, uh, about three quarters of the people I've interviewed around the earth say immediately unequivocally we're in our adolescence uh, as a species and uh, which means that's good news I, I, I think because the next stage beyond adolescence is early adulthood and uh, I have three sons I've seen them move from their adolescence into early adulthood what a transformation that represents. And so if we as a species can do the same thing that people around the world are doing all the time, moving from adolescence to adulthood, that seemingly small transition is extraordinary in terms of how we can relate to one another and uh, work for a, a, a world that um, is both sustainable and beautiful and surpassing. So, um, uh, where would you like to go with the conversation, Julie? There's is so much I could say. Yeah, there's so much right there. I'm just going to invite the listeners to pick up a copy of this book and really deepen into these ideas because there's a wealth of, of information and knowledge there. But you did mention beauty and, and meaning. And so I want to, I'm just going to jump forward here into the place of simplicity and if we have time we'll go back and and weave these other three that i'm kind of moving over here with intention because simplicity i love this section i love the 10 ideas of simplicity i love the feel of every page in this section you say this one idea has enormous enormous potential to grow particularly if it's nurtured and cultivated so simplicity is a legitimate creative and promising path forward. Let's expand on this idea and give our listeners an idea of, of literally when we think we're changing the world, like, okay, it's time for this great transition. And then we're thinking about all the systems and structures that have to be renovated and rebuilt and reformed and all the re-rein of, of every system and structure on the planet. And yet, when you hear this section on simplicity, Dwayne, to me, it like, um, I can breathe and I can go, you know what? Every one individual choice will affect the bigger picture. And so 
let's muse into simplicity and the, the beauty and the meaning that's right before us of how to deepen into that simplicity and how it ties into really the global transition in our future. Great. Great. So um, simplicity is, is another aspect of our heritage, of the ancient wisdom that has informed uh, civilizations for thousands of years. And uh, we find that in, in the um, spiritual traditions, Christians saying, quote, give me neither poverty nor wealth. Uh, the Taoist saying, he who knows he has enough is rich. And on and on, the golden mean from Plato and Aristotle. Uh, this is a part of the ancient wisdom uh, that we've, we, we have. And uh, putting it into a larger perspective, uh, one of the most eminent historians on the planet was Arnold Toynbee. He wrote countless volumes about the rise and fall of civilizations throughout history. And finally, he summarized this huge amount of work with a law. And it, was, it is called the law of progressive simplification, the law of progressive simplification. And he said that a civilization's progress should not be measured by its conquest of land and people and the amount of things that it's consuming and so on. He said the true measure of growth of a civilization was its ability to transfer increasing amounts of energy and attention from the material side of life to the non-material side of life, such as personal growth and family relationships, time with nature, psychological maturity, spiritual exploration, artistic expression, the strengthening of democracy, and so on. And these are non-material areas of life. And that's what the wisdom of simplicity brings. It is to bring more energy, more attention to those aspects of life that really matter to us. So that's why it's, it's important. And surveys have been done that have asked people, well, what matters most to you in bringing me meaning to your life? This is so informative. Um, spending time with family, 69%. Being outdoors with nature, 47%. Time with family and friends, 47%. Pets, 45%. Finally, at the very end of, of this is job or career, 34%. That was the last on, on the list of, of the job and career and the material accumulations. So um, we know this in our bones. This is not news uh, to most people. We, we already understand the role of simplicity in our lives. We're, our lives are so complex, so overwhelmed, so busy. The simplicity is, is the cutting edge that cuts away the superfluous and brings that which is uh, really meaningful. And so responding to what you're saying, Julie, about the different expressions of simplicity, a frugal simplicity is, is only one out of 10 that I, I put here in the book. Uh, it's the one that people most likely will think of, well, I need to cut back on the, the house or the car or the food or whatever in a material sense. And that's only one of many expressions of simplicity. Some of the others uh, include an artistic uh, simplicity. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci said, quote, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Uh, Gandhi said, uh, 
uh, my life is my message, and his life was born of simplicity. Frederick Chopin, the, the musician, uh, said simplicity is the final achievement, the crowning reward of art. So we could go on, but art knows the value of simplicity. Another expression of simplicity is obviously an ecological simplicity, where we look at how we're living our life, we look at the rest of life, and we say, how can we live in a way that's really in accord with the well-being of all life, not just human life, all life. Um, Ralph Waldo Emerson said, the only true gift is a portion of ourselves. Well, to give from ourselves, we have to know ourselves. We have to have the time to reach into ourselves and have a, a spiritual and psychological understanding of who we are that we can then offer to others. And they, in turn, will know that offering and, and respond in kind. Um, another simplicity is what I would call family simplicity. It's to give priority to our kids. It isn't to say yeah, we're going to give them all the toys and, and such that they um, want. It's rather to give them the nurturing and the attention, the emotional attention that they need. And so there's a, a family uh, simplicity. There is uh, what I would call a soulful simplicity. And that is where we approach life, as we've spoken about earlier in this hour. Uh, it's filled with aliveness. And our soul is a body of aliveness. So when life meets life, the lights go on. We see that we're larger beings than just these biological bodies. We recognize we're biocosmic beings uh, uh, of, a of an extraordinarily much larger uh, nature. So uh, those are just a few of the expressions of simplicity. And um, so I'm a, a Julie, guidance here. How, where would you like to go? Mm. Well, yeah. thank you for that, Dwayne. That was, that was beautiful. And I, I tell you that this little section, um, reading it, it's, it's full of my highlighted yellow ink. And um, in choosing simplicity, I was inspired to look at so many areas of my life and invite back the simplicity. So I just want to encourage the listeners to pick this up and, and really allow yourself to rest in the idea of this, even political and uncluttering. And I mean, there's so much really beauty that emerges from the idea of simplicity. So let's, let's move forward to what can we do once we know. The 11 ideas in this last section felt like a real holistic prescription for every reader, every listener that's listening to us right now, and their personal choice. Again, this is how our individual personal choice will impact the whole and the collective intelligence as we move forward. So if we can begin there, let's, let's, um, there's hope for really our collective choices as we really just, I, I, it's like harvesting, isn't it? It's like cultivating and, and yeah. taking care of all this, but really harvesting it now as we, we come into what can we do now that we know? So how does the individual choice affect the bigger picture here? And um, how, does, how can one person make a difference? And then maybe we can expand into 
um, some of these 11 things that are they're brilliant, they're genius, they're easy, they're common sense. And again, it's like, Dwayne, it's like the prescription. We go, oh, duh. Instead of saying, how am I going to participate in the great transition on the planet? Oh, I can't do anything. I might as well just go about my business and, and life right. as usual. It's like, no, you bring it into that simplicity and you show us how with specificity how we get to choose this. And there's 11 brilliant choices in this last, last section. So how does our individual choices affect the big picture? And then let's expand into some of these 11 things. Great. Um, well, who we are transforms the world. We matter. Our, our, we, we are role models uh, for the rest of the, of the world. And what we do in our lives really matters uh, to others. So let's take a look at these 11 and uh, they are simple. They're uh, no-brainers. Um, and we can go back to where we began our conversation with aliveness. And what we can do, for example, is awaken to uh, aliveness uh, within ourselves. And that, in turn, will touch others. And we talked about connecting with nature, so taking walks in nature and being present in nature. But uh, aliveness uh, arises, emerges for, in many other ways. Dancing in playing, in making music, in nurturing relationships, in making art, spending time with animals, and so on. These are all sources of uh, awakening and engaging and growing our aliveness. A sec number two, cultivating your true gifts. We all have near gifts, things we're pretty good at. And we all have true gifts, things we're uniquely uh, we have a unique capacity bringing those into the world. And so much of our lives, we're earning money with our near gifts, things we're pretty good at. And, and now it's time in this, in this era of a great transition to cultivate our true gifts. What are we really good at that we can bring into the world? Uh, number three, be deeply informed, not just sort of aware on the, on the surface of life. Dig in, yeah. dig in, look to see what is happening. Look deep, look long, look wide, uh, embrace the whole. And in that learning, you will be informed in a way that's unique to you. And being informed unique to you, you'll start bringing your true gifts uh, into the world. Uh, so number uh, three, be deeply informed. Number four, protect and restore nature. If you're taking walks in nature, feeling the aliveness in nature and so on, you're automatically, there's an impulse to reach out, to care for and, and restore the natural world around us. And it is perilously uh, in need uh, of our attention. Um, much longer uh, story. Uh, number five, grieve losses. Uh, it's so important to feel our sense of sadness, sorrow, grief at what is being lost uh, from the world. Uh, there's a, a saying that says, uh, when, hope, when hope dies, action begins. Well, when, it's the, when the hope that we can return to the past dies, uh, then action begins. And hope dies when we are feeling the sorrow, the grief, the loss, the sense that, no, this is not coming back the way it was, we're going to have to recreate the world anew in fresh 
ways that are sustainable and workable. So grieve the losses, bring that sadness in, into your life and acknowledge it. And that's a foundation of empowerment. Number six, practice reconciliation. That was one of the key themes. We are so divided as a human family, uh, not only by uh, ethnicity and race, but also gender, geography, by generations. The olders are consuming the earth now. The youngers are saying, what are you leaving for us? We're divided by sexual orientation, by religion, and so on. If we are going to come together as a human family, it's crucial that we step above the divisions of our, of our everyday lives and find healing and wholeness and, and reconciliation. Uh, number seven, choose simplicity. Uh, choose meaningful relationships, simple meals together, walks in nature, making music and so on. But choose those things uh, that are really very simple, uh, but choose to bring them into your life. Number eight, organize a study group. Uh, be a learner. Uh, what are we doing here? We're not just sitting our hands. We're trying to reach out with those hands and engage the world in a time of great transition. So to do that, uh, it's important to study and to know how we can use our, our different tools, uh, our tools of communication um, and our tools of imagination uh, come into play here. Uh, if we can see it, we can, we can transform it. So uh, cultivate your social imagination, work in study groups in different ways. Number nine, support others. Uh, be encouraging. Golly, so many people just do, don't have the encouragement that would allow them to feel strong in stepping out into, the, into a really difficult world and offering uh, their true gifts. Number 10, cultivate communication. I say to people, as we communicate, so goes uh, the future. So not only uh, use the uh, Internet and all, all of that, but person to person in our work and in our socializing, recognize the power of uh, communication to really transform the world. And that's foundational. And lastly, number 11, become a compassionate activist. Um, join with whatever groups and organizations and initiatives really sing in your heart and uh, let those flourish uh, in the world. There are countless opportunities to uh, become a compassionate activist, not an angry activist, but a compassionate activist that sees the suffering in the world and that you use your true gifts to really engage and transform and find a higher level of reconciliation and then maturity for how we can come together as, as a human family. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Those, see how simple that feels? It just is like, it's inspiring things that we all want and crave. It really is really tapping into our true nature of that biocosmic being of who we are. So thank you for, for going through each of those 11 suggestions, Dwayne, and thank you for putting them together in this beautiful book. Now, I want to give you an opportunity. Um, we have probably three to four minutes here, and I want to make sure I give you an opportunity to talk about the Choosing Earth Project, and I'm looking forward to hearing about it from your words. So tell us more about the Choosing Earth Project. Great. So um, if people go to choosingearth.com, 
org, they'll find more than access to a book. And the book, by the way, Choosing Earth, is available for free as an electronic version. Uh, and you can not only download the free version, you can freely give it out to others. And uh, my intention in writing this specific book was not to make money, it was to make a difference. So please <laughs> go to the website, look for the book, download it as an electronic version. Then if you want a print version, you can certainly buy that. But the electronic version is there for free. Now, in addition to a book, uh, within a couple of weeks, there's going to be an hour-long documentary. The documentary is the, is the companion to the book. And some people say, I just can't take all those words. Someone like Julie says, no, enough. <laughs> show, me, show it to me. And so there will be an hour-long documentary. It's, it's virtually done right now. And you can, you can view that. Thirdly, there, there's a study, study guide, um, for, both for online as well as for in-person, going through the book and, and re receiving the video, understanding that. So the purpose of this project is awareness, and understanding essentially it's not to say you should do one two or three different things it no it's to say i trust you and what i trust is if you are aware of what's going on if you have a deeper understanding of what's going on you will find in your own life as an educator as a business leader as a uh uh, church person or whatever, you'll find in your own life what's appropriate for action. So the purpose of Choosing Earth as, as a website is to offer sources of empowerment and discovery. So um, the website itself will have additional resources uh, that are there. And uh, so we will probably be offering opportunities for um, study groups of one kind or another through through the uh, website itself. So it's a project in maturation. It's a project of, of transition to a more mature planetary civilization. And uh, that's that's the function of the uh, Choosing Earth uh, website. Mm. Well, Dwayne, congratulations. This, the, the Choosing Earth book and the Choosing Earth project um, dot org, go there, choosingearth.org. Um, but the Choosing Earth Project is just such a beautiful legacy and powerful gift that's an expression of your lifetime of work. It's just thank you for, for gifting hey. that to humanity and making a difference. Thank you, Julie. So in one minute or less, one minute or less, <laughs> maybe in 30 seconds or less. 30, yes. What's your call to action? What do you want each listener to, to go out and do right now? It would be just re, just reviewing very quickly. If we turn towards the wealth of our aliveness, um, we were, in effect, awakening a more conscious species civilization. And we're maturing in this process into our early adulthood. And that is the foundation for that uh, mature planetary civilization. And if we will work for reconciliation, full-hearted communication, caring community, and life ways of elegant simplicity, we have a future of promise before us. Beautiful. Well, you know what? Your words almost mirror exactly the paragraph that I took out to share with our listeners in closing. So here we go. Thanks for tuning in. Okay. To yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Dwayne. 
So, hear the words of Duane. If we regard aliveness as our greatest wealth, then it is only natural for us to choose ways of living that afford greater time and opportunity to develop the areas of our lives where we feel most alive in nurturing relationships, caring communities, time in nature, creative expression, and service to others. In seeing the universe as alive, we naturally shift our priorities from an ego economy oriented toward consuming dead things to an aliveness economy oriented toward fostering the experience of aliveness. You've been listening to The Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Remember, together we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now.